basically take care of all the billing and collection on their in-house payment plan. So it's really a win-win for the uh, medical providers. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Burkett. And today I'm joined by Scott Greist, founder and chief operating officer of Prima Health Credit. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brady. And thanks for all listeners taking time out of their day to listen. Appreciate it. All right, I'm, I'm excited to have you on today, Scott. You have a, a long background in fintech. Um, so to kick things off, it'd be great if you could share with our audience a little bit about that background, things you've worked on in the past. Sure, sure. I, uh, you know, a lot of people think that one of the original innovators in fintech, that it goes back all the way to 2005 when I founded and started American Finance Solutions, which was an a predominantly online small business lender uh, using a product called Merchant Cash Advance, which is basically factoring small businesses' credit card receivables. So for example, a pizza shop, their oven goes out and they need $20,000. We'd give them $20,000 and then they would pay us back, but they'd never write us a check. We would take 10% of every credit card swipe in their business until let's say 22,000 was paid back. So for example, someone comes and spends 40 bucks on pizzas, Instead of that pizza shop owner getting 40 bucks the next day, he got 36 and we'd get $4 right off the credit card machine. And as soon as the 22000 was paid back, we would then turn off our 10% split and we'd get the normal 100% of every credit card. And did that until 2015 and sold that to a North American bank card, which is the fourth largest credit card processor in the nation. So it was a great and, run and uh, still there, helping manage it in the business. Yeah, I want to jump in here and ask you a few questions about that business because yeah. today we have merchant cash advance companies popping up. I think it's a very popular yep. business model now with the rise of, of e-commerce. But back yep. in 2005, I would imagine you're ahead of that trend. So was Wait, merchant cash advance a popular business model at the time? No, it was really, it wasn't at all because you know 2005 to 2007, we had good steady growth. And then in 2007, everybody, the more, you know, mortgages started blowing up. Everybody got into the game. And then I would say there's probably 80 competitors at the end, uh, you know, at the end of 2007. And then obviously the big recession of 2008 and only five of us survived on deck a company called Rapid Advance, Business Financial Services, GRP and Amerimergence. Only five of us survived because uh, back then it was a wild west. You know, there's almost no underwriting. If you just owned a business and send a few bank statements, you got. 40 grand, 40 grand, 20 grand, 100 grand in business financing by just signing the name. So and were you, it, was, were your, it was crazy back then. Were your customers at the time primarily brick and mortar? Yeah, it was, all, it was almost all exclusive brick and mortar. Very few people did e-commerce back then. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, sure. I, I, after 2010, it started to go more in the online. It makes total sense with the way, you know, online commerce has sort of trended. But just curious how Merchant Cash Advance, if you could explain how that fits into the regulatory framework around lending in the US, because it is sort of a, you know, alternative lending model. If you could talk a little bit yep. about how you guys were able to operate. Sure. Well, first off, it's a business to business factoring contract or sale of receivables. Since we're, pur we're purchasing a set amount of future credit card receivables, 
it's not a loan. It's actually a sales transaction. So for example, we give a guy 20,000, we're purchasing 22,000 of future receivables, and we're taking that split off his credit cards. So we don't know how long it's gonna take back. We expect it to take six months, which is about the average term, but most guys, they use the funds and they improve their business, put it into marketing, uh, add a patio to the restaurant, whatever. They pay back in five months. Or if they're going in the slow season, it could take them eight months. So there's no APR for that, right? Because we don't know how long, there's no set term or duration. So it's done, which is quite prevalent, you know, in big business, manufacturing, things of that nature. It's been around for, you know, and actually thousands of years. But we were the first guys to bring it to the small, to the small business capital. And it happened, got really popular because in 2008, banks just shut down and they still have shut down their doors to small business owners and financing. It's virtually impossible for a small business guy to get a loan unless he has significant assets. So I think that's why you see the incredible rise in popularity. I think Square's doing about 400 million a quarter now in financing. So it's gotten extremely popular. Uh, Shopify just announced that they will be doing financing as well. Yep. It's getting a really crowded space. You got on deck, you know, run by Noah Breslow, which does a great job. And, you know, he was the first guy to really go into the e-commerce business. And obviously, you know, Square jumping in. Uh, Stripe has just announced they're offering it now too. And they beta tested it. So it's going to get super competitive here in the next 12 to, 12 to 18 months. So, you know, touching on how competitive it was in 2007 and how competitive it's it's becoming once again, how do you differentiate yourself in the space? Is it about the data model you have to onboard customers? Is it about your speed to, to deliver the loan? How do you um, get in front of the customer and convince them to use your service? Yeah, it really, it's coming down two things. Number one, it's speed and service at a reasonable price, right? And Secondly, it is your sales channel. Obviously, Square is so successful because they're marketing directly to their merchants to get in front of those merchants. You know, they're using text messaging. If the person has a point of sale machine, they're pushing financing offers straight to the actual point of sale machine. And that's part of the reason why I divested to a large credit card processor. The customer acquisition costs now when you're going outside of an organic system is just incredibly high. I used to generate customers for $225 as my you know, client cost. Now, to generate a client, you're looking at probably three dollars to $4,000 for acquisitions cost of a client. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that exit. Um, can you share you know, a little bit of the story, how that, how that unfolded and, yeah. and what you're working on now? Yeah. So North American Bank Card, uh, I sort of partnered with them and uh, their customer service staff there. They have, they have uh, roughly 400,000 small business owners processing with them. And they said, hey, our clients are calling in and getting wanting to get their bank, their credit card processing statements for the pe- previous year. And as soon as we send them to them, they leave us. The reason being was other companies were saying, hey, get us your 12 months credit card processing statement so we can evaluate what your sales are and then we'll make an offer for finance. And of course, these other credit card companies, these other uh, financing companies, in order to take the offer for finance, you had to switch to their preferred credit card processor because they were making residual income off of that. So uh, the owner there approached us and said, hey, I'm having this issue. Can you become our in-house financing partner for us? You know, and just a referral relationship. Started doing that. And he was like, wait a minute, there's some money to be made here. And he made an offer we couldn't refuse. And we became the in-house financing department for for that company. So it was a vertical integration, I guess you'd call it. Got it. And did those similar types of um, 
acquisitions take place across the industry? There's a few, have, yeah, a few have happened across the way. And then a lot of guys have been home, have, have homegrown there, like Square, Shopify. So uh, there have been a few others, though, that have happened. And, and you're still um, working with American Finance Solutions. Um, it's sort of taken a step back, but you're now working on uh, a new venture. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Yeah, we, uh, American Finance Solutions rebranded as North American Bank Card Capital. And I just, you know, I'm there as the managing director, make sure everything runs smoothly. But since then, in 2019, went back, got to, back together with Brendan Kensel. We had a company way back in the day, right out of MBA school in 99, 2000. And we started Prima Health Credit, which is a fintech uh, startup concentrating on patient healthcare finance. If anyone knows this space, it's currently dominated by the 800-pound gorilla called Care Credit. They generate about $12 billion a year in elective care financing. So think dental, orthodontia, cosmetic surgery, LASIK, or we're financing high deductible out-of-cost pockets for, for patients. And they've been around forever, decades. And there's been innovation in the space. You still have to sit down in front of your treatment corner in the dental office, and they type all your information into a terminal, and then you get kicked out an offer, and it's all done with paper. So we thought it was a great way to disrupt that space, leveraging sophisticated risk scoring algorithms, obviously leveraging pushing applications and contracts of mobile devices and iPads and things of that nature, and really bring that market into the into the new century. Yeah, it makes sense. What drew you to the healthcare space? Really the opportunity to be disrupted. Looking at it, it looks like, wow, this space is ripe for disruption. If you can figure it out, uh, you can quickly scale across. You can quickly scale the business. It is a well-established market. In, a, in addition, with the consumer loans, there's a secondary market to then finance them, either using forward flow agreements or packaging up packaging them up and selling them, you know, and secu- via securitization. So it seemed like a, a market that was ripe for disruption and not that difficult to figure out, quite honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we hear all the time about ballooning healthcare costs and obviously patients need access to, to money to, to pay for procedures. Yep. So curious, are, are you going to the consumer directly? Are you going to doctors to try to sign Referral yeah. partnerships, or how are you approaching the market? Yeah, we're we're approaching it by signing up the um, the medical providers themselves, whether it be the dentist, the orthodontist, things of that nature. And then they're you know when the person gets done, they're sitting in the chair. Hey, you need a root canal. It costs, it costs two grand. And of course, we all know dental insurance doesn't cover virtually any cost. You know, maybe cost two hundred fifty bucks. They say to the patient, Hey, we got you, your amount you need to fulfill is seventeen hundred dollars. We can either take check cash or convenient monthly payment hands through Prima Health Credit. So they're selling it through through for us to the actual end consumer. Okay. And on the back end, are you partnered with banks to actually do the origination? No, right now we're using our, uh, you know, we raised money and we're, we're, we've uh, funded so far roughly 1.5 million. So we've been using our own balance sheet on it. And then we're funding the prime, prime loans. Then we allow the doctors then if we can't give an approval on prime, we allow them to balance sheet themselves and the, the subprime loan. So will they, the doctors a lot of times will say, hey, it's great that you're you know, balancing the prime, which we approve roughly 50 to 55%. But what about the, the, the bottom half of the stack? We still want to be able to give those patients financing. 
but we don't want to handle the billing and collections and everything of that nature on it. So what we do is then we'll then we still service the loan, the loans in our name, but we service it on the back end for the actual medical provider. Okay. In reality, yeah. So because in reality, if you go in, the doctor's already paid for all the marketing costs to get that patient in the chair, right? That dentist or that orthodontist, and it doesn't cost him much more in incremental costs other than just maybe a little bit more material for the actual braces or the actual filling, whatever's being done. So they want to keep that patient in there and they're willing to take the chance on the client. And they currently, a lot of times have in-house payment plans and doctors, they hate administering those payment plans because they don't, they don't run credit on the patient. They don't know how to do billing. They don't, you know, a lot of them still send out paper statements versus setting the person on, up on an automatic ACH debit. So we offer really a full solution, the full stack for the, for the uh, doctors and dentists, because now they are, their staff only has to be trained on one system versus having our competitor care credit plus a back end, end of the house. And we take care of all the billing and collection on their in-house payment plan. So it's really a win-win for the uh, medical providers. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So not only are yeah. you doing some of the actual lending, but you're, you're effectively providing a tech stack for the doctors to manage their own which I'm sure exactly. is interesting to all the investors out there. The fact that, that yep. you have that uh, component as well. Yeah. And I think it'll grow too. I mean, we have, in, uh, we have full, really, really uh, uh, beautiful backend reporting too for the doctors, which they don't have when they have an in-house payment plan. You know, they can check their delinquencies, they can gauge their portfolio and we, and we tranche it into different sections so they can, they start taking a little too high losses with people like sub 550 FICO. They can, you know, choose to curtail lending to that space on their balance sheet or maybe you know, keep the term at less than you know six months, 12 months, whatever they, whatever they feel more, most comfortable with. So they're really, really enjoying it. And we're getting rid of the headache of, man, of their staff managing payment plans, which they hate doing. And most, most of these you know, people that work in these dental offices don't have MBAs. A lot of them don't have college degrees. They have their medical degrees and they're just not versed and they hate dealing with the finance part. They love taking care of patients. So it's, we're getting a lot of traction and building fast. We started in, uh, when we launched in January, got the system ready, went live in August. In August, we did $10,000 worth of uh, loans in August. In February, we'll close out at $1.2 So we've seen some really good growth in the past wow. seven months. Um, and, and are you seeing a particular uptake from any sub-segment of the medical industry? I know you mentioned uh, dentistry a few times. Are, are you seeing... Yeah, and a new spot we're seeing, which is sad on the state of the U.S., is addiction treatment. We are seeing a huge, a lot of people in addiction treatment are coming in and wanting to use our, our system. We're not comfortable yet in addiction treatment in lending on the prime side yet because we don't understand the space. But the addiction, addiction treatment centers are coming in and saying, hey, will you just manage it as a payment plan across everything for us? And we'll take the we'll risk. We just want you to handle the onboarding of the client the managing the billing and things of that nature because, you know, they get sober, a lot of these places with the opioid epidemic, it's costing families $20,000, you know, to get their loved one in, in for care. And, yeah. you know, most families, unfortunately, a lot of times, it's not the first time entering treatment as well. It's a third or fourth time. So we found a great little niche market there in that space. And it's also really rewarding for our staff because we're helping people, you know, save loved ones, save lives, and, you know, help people get back on track to lead a productive life. Right. I mean, I mean, it sounds like it's good that the um, 
these addiction centers are willing to provide financing for their patients. And, you know, thankfully you guys are there to, to do some of that backend work for them to make yeah. it easier for them to open up. Yeah, because um, if they have insurance, financing. insurance usually only covers usually 50 to 75% of the cost only. So there's a big delta there that the consumer has to make up for. Right. Well, it sounds like you guys are in, in a good position now to sort of take on, yeah. on the market. Um, and, and I understand you guys are, are uh, growing and, and trying to, to take on fundraising. So that segues to um, another yes. topic of conversation. And, and you've been an investor in some companies in the past. Are, are there yep. any companies in particular that, that you're really excited about that you've backed? Yeah, uh, I would say two that I'm really excited about. Uh, first is Chow Now, who is run by two fabulous founders. Uh, it's the uh, restaurant to go restaurant ordering app. Uh, they've had tremendous success. Uh, just raised, I think it was forty million in their in round. Founded here out in Playa Vista, California. You know, compete with Grubhub, think Uber Eats, things of that nature. Really proud of that investment with those what those guys have built. Uh, really, and also providing a great service to the restaurants. Again, focusing on the client, which is the restaurant owner, not the end consumer. Uh, their model is instead of taking 12% of each order, which is like Grubhub does and Uber Eats, which just kills a margin on restaurants, they charge a flat fee for the month and then a small, small percentage of the order volume. So a lot of their restaurant owners are seeing savings of eight to sometimes even $20,000 a month as they, can, as they can wean off Grubhub and these other platforms and go and create their own system. So it's been a really nice play and real help building a really good, repeatable, scalable client base. So if anyone's interested in that, they can look it up. And the other one I'm proud about is Rain Local, which is a mobile uh, marketing commerce app, which is basically just uses geo-targeting on mobile online ads. And they're having a lot of success in the banking and automotive industry. Um, for example, uh, what they do is uh, Midas, will um, geo-target their competitors at Jiffy Lube. And they will, through the platform, they can push mobile marketing in terms of banner ads, uh, sometimes text messaging, uh, Waze ads, to a person who is sitting at one of their competitors at Jiffy Lube. If the phone's been sitting pretty stationary for more than five minutes at that Jiffy Lube, they'll push them an ad that says, hey, come over to Midas and get an oil change for $9.99, which is pretty amazing. And the conversions there are just through the charts. It's crazy. I can imagine. So you have experience as a founder multiple times, have operated a business and exited a business. How, how are those experiences impacting the way you invest, not only you know picking who you invest in, but also how you interact with those companies? Well, really, it comes down to, you know, it comes down to the leaders and the team. Honestly, the, who is who? Who is the founder? Who they surround them with is way more important than the than the idea. I think in my investment philosophy, you can have a decent idea and just execute the hell out of it and make it a winner, and that that's a way more sure bet than someone has a great idea but either number one has zero experience in operating a business or just isn't that strong. That's always a recipe for disaster. So actually being an operator in the trenches and knowing who that operator is, knowing that they have the gut, the determination, the dedication, because, hey, scale a business and build it, it's not easy. It's really, really, really effing hard. 
And it takes a special person to be able to do that. So always investing in who the, who the player is, not the game. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thread that's, that's sort of tying all your experience together. Obviously, a, a lot of experience in lending, but through your investments as well, just, just working in the technology space and, and understanding how to grow and scale a company. Scott, do you have any, uh, any other thoughts? No, to say uh, we'll be out for our Series A here in a couple months for uh, Prima Health Credit. Anybody's interested, uh, you know, please let us know. We're looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for your time today. And I hope uh, everyone got some value out of it. And I'd love to hear feedback. So any feedback from your listeners uh, would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you coming on the podcast, Scott. Hope you have a good rest of the day. All right. Thanks so much. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.